It's amazing how God works things together. The song will go right along with what we want to talk about today. What what a blessing. Well, we, we are in the Easter season, and uh, Easter is April 1st, which is not but just a couple of short weeks away, and, and it'll be here and gone before you know it. But I do want us to take some time, uh, and we've done this before, uh, we preached from we, we preached this before, uh, this time in a little different way, have taken a little different angle uh, on it, um, because it speaks to my heart, and I pray that it speaks to your heart. And, and we're just going to do some cross-talk for a few Sundays. What was it that Jesus said from the cross, and why did he say what he said? And boy, the lessons we can learn from what Jesus our Savior said from the cross as He was nailed there, as He hung there, as He died there. He had you, He had me on His mind. So we're going to take uh, the next couple Sundays and talk about the seven sayings uh, from the cross. It's always a blessing, always a blessing to be reunited with those questions. Matter of fact, uh, I have a particular person that calls me each week, preacher, what are you preaching on this week? And I told, I told this particular person, they called me back and said, preacher, I must be really dumb. I said, why? And he said, because I can't find but three sayings. Uh, well, I, he, he wanted to know what, what they were, so we went through them on the telephone, on the cell phone, and he said, golly, I, 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 I do remember those. Um, I know what you're thinking. You're looking around. Wonder who that was that called. But that person's not here today. Uh, so just, just just dispel anybody among us today. <laughs> that person's not here. <clears throat> well, I read a story uh, this week about a little boy that that got himself lost in his in his little town. He couldn't find his way back home, and he, and he began to cry. Uh, so this gentleman. Um, uh, heard the little boy or saw the little boy crying and, and went up to him and he wanted to comfort him. So he said, what's wrong, son? And the little boy said, I can't find my way home. The man asked him, uh, he was desperate to help. So he asked, is there anything near your house that you remember? The little boy thought for a moment and he said, yes, sir. There's only one thing that I can remember. There's a building near my house with a cross on it. The man uh, immediately knew the vicinity in which the little boy and where the little boy lived because he knew what he was talking about. So he took the little boy by his hand and he walked him to the church, the building that he had, that had the cross on it. And when the boy uh, got to the church, he knew exactly how to find his home. I began to think about that simple little story, and I believe that what we need to learn is this, from this story and following in the message. When this little boy found the cross, this little boy found his home. And I want us to ponder that this morning as we as we talk together just a little bit from God's Word. John chapter 19 John chapter 19, I want to use this uh, for our uh, core text, if you will, 
and then we'll look at some other texts as we go along. John 19, 5 verse 17, and it reads this way. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. So I want you to picture that, and you've seen it hundreds of times. I want you to picture Jesus in the center. If you want to look here, Jesus in the center, a thief on one side on his left, a thief on the other side on his right. And that's what we want to talk about just for a few minutes this morning. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word today. And now as we look at these first two sayings from the cross, I pray, God, that you would instill within each of us, God, a desire to love you more because of what you're going to say to us from the cross. Speak to our hearts, we pray in your name. Amen. The late Billy Graham, if you ever heard him preach or listen to any of his messages, most of the messages he preached always centered on the cross. Always on the cross. Which is the central theme or symbol, if you will, of the Christian faith. I don't know about you, but I want to believe. I want to believe that there's still people in our world today who want to hear the story of the cross. Who are still fascinated with the story and the cross. So today... Beginning today and through Easter, I want us to focus on the cross. And I want us to, to, to go there together. And I want us to see that the cross is the, is the very thing that, that unveils or unfolds the mystery of this thing called the Christian life. And we want to talk about his death and his burial and his resurrection. So go with me there, if you will. Let's go there together. And when we get there, let's look up at the cross and let's find Jesus as he is being crucified. And let's listen to some profound and yet famous statements that he said. Luke 23, 34. Uh, let's, let's begin right there. Luke 23, 34. And this is the very first thing he says. Then Jesus said... Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. I thought about that saying, and immediately the word grace came to my mind. I believe that those words are pure grace. Could be the most powerful example of grace and forgiveness in all the Bible. Think about it. As Jesus was dying there, he was dying and, and he was asking for forgiveness of those who sinned against him. What a wonderful principle, church, for us as believers to live by. So as Jesus hung there on the cross, what was he revealing? He was revealing a forgiving heart. Even after going through all that he went through... All the worst possible treatment from his enemies. Jesus hung there on the cross as, get this, 
the victim, if you will, of hatred, animosity, bitterness, vengeance, wickedness, yes, of mankind. Now think with me from a human standpoint, and that's the way we generally think from a human standpoint. We would naturally, wouldn't we, expect our Lord to cry out to God for pity. Or maybe shake his fist at God because he was being treated so unfairly. But guess what? You know the answer. God's Son, Jesus, did none of that. He did none of that. But what does he do? The first thing he says is a prayer. A prayer to God to forgive those who were taking his life. Now, put yourself in Jesus' place. Could we do that? You see, Jesus knew that his executioners, those that were putting him to death, they did not understand truly who the victim was, nor the severity of the crime that they were committing. I thought about that, and they failed to do some a couple of things. They failed to realize that they were killing the Prince of Peace. They failed to realize that they were slaughtering, literally slaughtering, the Messiah. Bottom line is this, and you have it on your outline. Forgiveness is man's greatest need. Now you think about it. It's the only way that you and I can enter into fellowship with God and avoid hell. And that's why Jesus prayed for forgiveness. Jesus was revealing the very purity of his heart. And remember, a pure heart seeks no vengeance. Let me show that to us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Who committed no sin, talking about Jesus, nor was, de- nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled and did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. That's God the Father. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sin might live for righteousness by whose stripes you and I'll throw in, I were healed. You see, the question concerning the forgiveness of sin is the most fundamental question of all. And here's why. Think with me. It doesn't matter what our resume says, what our portfolio involves or shows. It doesn't matter if we're the boss of the largest company in the world it doesn't matter if we're the most respected person in the community if we still are in our sins and not forgiven if we're God's children we let's get this we are to be more concerned with God forgiving those who sin against us than with getting back at someone Remember Stephen, the first Christian martyr, while he was being stoned to death for what? For preaching Christ. 
in Christ crucified. What was he doing? What was Stephen doing? Folks, I don't know about you, but I'm not quite sure I could have had the courage that Stephen had. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Listen to verse 60. Then he knelt, talking about Stephen, he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, scriptures tell us that he died. What an example that Stephen followed. The same example of Jesus. We must do that very same thing. And the second saying is back in Luke chapter 23. Flip over a page or two or a few verses down. Go and find verse 43 of chapter 23. And Jesus said to him, talking about the thief, one of the thieves. Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Two thieves, one on one side, one on the other. Scripture tells us that they were crucified right along with Jesus. But go back up to verse 42 and listen to what one of the thieves said. Then he said to Jesus, one of the thieves, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, absolutely, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, Jesus died, was dying on the cross, bringing eternal life to a sinner who was lost, who had he died without Christ, would have been totally separated from God. You know, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to imagine, as I read and studied this this week, it's hard for me to imagine how Jesus, hanging there on a cross, feeling the hate of his enemies, bearing the weight of the world on his shoulders, could at the very same time be concerned with saving a sinner. But he was. You see, let's understand today that Jesus was and never is too preoccupied not to be interested in leading someone to Christ. He's concerned about the salvation of souls. You see, it was his life commitment. I wonder if we could say that. Is that our life commitment to see men, women, boys, and girls come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? I thought, I thought about that conversion of the thief there on the cross, and, 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 and I call it remarkable. I call it dramatic. Maybe you have another adjective there to describe it. But what was it that was so convincing about Jesus to this thief on the cross. Because remember as as the thief spoke to Jesus and Jesus speaks to the thief nothing extraordinary or supernatural had taken place yet because Jesus had not breathed his last. So something Jesus something about Jesus that this thief saw that convinced him that this was the work of God. No earthquake had happened yet. 
No darkness had come over the earth yet. Remember the, the centurion he, that said, truly this was the Son of God? None of this had happened yet. The thief, as I thought about him this week, asking Jesus to remember him was evidence he was pleading for forgiveness. Indicating that he, number one, understood the sinlessness of Jesus. Understood that Jesus was the Savior. Understood that death was not the end, but death was the very beginning. I've watched my share of people take their last breath. Many of you probably have too, and that's not a good thing to be around. But I'm always reminded when I see that happen, when, when that person takes their last breath and does not breathe anymore, he or she is ushered into eternity. As Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with God Almighty. That is for the believer. <clears throat> how, how was it possible for this thief to come to Christ under such adverse circumstances? Go back, fill in one more blank. This thief also understood the sovereignty of God. That God's in control. As I thought about that, let me say this, that this event is one of the clearest illustrations that salvation is not a work of man. Not a work of man. Get that? But it's the sovereign work of God. It was, you see, it was God, not circumstances that moved in the heart of this thief. To convince him of the truth about Jesus. You see, many people get confused and they, and they think that salvation takes place because of a good sermon or, or some a special type of prayer that you say. And, and yes, let me back this up. Let me say this. Yes, while salvation is an indirect result of a good sermon, of a prayer, salvation, get this, you, you need to get this, don't get anything else. Salvation is a direct result of God's amazing Grace. Direct result. Let me take you to Ephesians 8 and 9. We know it. For by grace you have been saved through faith. I want to stop there. Take you to Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So for by grace you have been saved through faith. Back to the rest of that verse. And that not of, our, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You see, it was Jesus' constant desire for the thief on the cross and for us today to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2, 4. 
who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Luke 19.10, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. It's miraculous, church. It's miraculous. It's a miracle that God works in our lives when we become a child of His. What an example that Jesus gives to us that we're to reach out as He did to the thief with the gospel. Jesus died forgiving those who had sinned against Him. And so many times we find it difficult to forgive someone. Jesus died bringing the truth of the gospel to a thief on the cross. Isn't that how you and I ought to live and die? Let me conclude this way. Here's here's the invite to us this morning. Here's the invite. Whether we like it or not, we are like one or the two one or the two thieves. We're like the one on the left or we're like the one on the right. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, but we're either lost and separated from God, or we're saved and will one day spend an eternity in the presence of God. There's no middle ground. You see, if, if we're lost today, Scripture tells us that today is the day of salvation. Today. The thief on the cross said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus reply? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. So here's some questions for us to consider. Have we asked Jesus to remember us? Have we asked Jesus to save us? Have we called on the name of the Lord? Have we confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord? And do we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead? Scripture says in Romans 10 that if that's the case, guess what? We will be saved. My prayer this morning is that each and every one of us is like the thief that asked for forgiveness and to be with Jesus in paradise. That's my prayer, that when we breathe our last, whether it be today, tomorrow, next week, or 25 years from now, that we will be ushered into the presence of God Almighty. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for showing us these first two sayings that Jesus Christ himself verbalized not only to those folks back then, but Lord, to us today. So God, as we leave this place, as we conclude this service today, may you continue to speak to our hearts. And Lord, in this time of decision, Lord, as the as the special music was sung, you said it was so clearly spoken. 
come to the altar, your arms are open wide. God, you love us. But the question is, do we love you? Speak to our hearts now as we sing this hymn of dedication. I pray in your name.